This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. Welcome to episode four of the Food Podcast. Today we're talking about food and film with Leah Ronaldo, managing director of Devour, the Food Film Fest. Imagine the scene. I'm seated at a crowded table in a boardroom. The tone is serious, and the stakes are high. Someone has placed a large bowl of glossy apples in the center of the table. I'm starving. I hold off for what seems like an eternity, but when I look at my watch, only two minutes have passed. I'm no good when I'm hungry. I'll never make it through the meeting, so I reach for the bowl. Then I bite into the apple. It's apple season here in Nova Scotia, and this one is perfect. Crunchy, sweet yet tart. My bite echoes through the room. As one man raises an eyebrow, a juicy drip falls from my apple onto the binder in front of me. I think of Cadet James T. Kirk in that famous Star Trek apple scene. He's taking the Kobayashi Maru test, which is supposed to be a no-win scenario. But he's cocky, so cocky, in fact, that he has time to casually chomp away on an apple. So according to Google, eating an apple on screen is one of the top 10 visual storytelling tools used in film to create a jerk or a villain. There's also facial deformities, a British accent, killing off your friends, making them incredibly wealthy, you know, that kind of stuff. But when a character enters a situation that should be serious and stops to eat an apple, well, then you know who's boss. There's so many sides to the apple. It fuels our bodies, it seduces, it impresses a teacher, it illustrates a villain, or a bully, or a jerk, or a starving inappropriate woman in a board meeting. How appropriate that the apple holds so much weight in film. Wolfville, a beautiful apple-growing town in Nova Scotia, is home to devour the Food Film Fest. Leah Ronaldo, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. On the Food Podcast. What is the Devour Festival? Uh, Devour the Food Film Fest is a five-day celebration of uh, everything culinary. We're now calling ourselves the world's largest film festival dedicated to all things culinary. And it's anything from tasting workshops to tours to films and parties. Uh, One of my favorite things are uh, dinners inspired by films in the program. Um, Yeah. Now, Devour is five years old or three years old as Devour proper. And you were the festival director of the Atlantic Film Fest for 11 years. Yeah. But really involved for much longer. About 22 years. 22 years. And you're a food writer. Yep. And at 16, I read that uh, maybe you weren't quite 16, but you're definitely working at an indie film cinema then. Yes. But you were the youngest licensed project. How do you say that? You were, the, you were the youngest <laughs> licensed projectionist in Nova Scotia. Yeah. And now the managing director of Devour. Yep. Now that is a fantastic example of a long obedience in the same direction. Was that planned? You know, tell me your, tell me your story. 
<laughs> your your work story, your food story. My work and food story. Uh, yeah. Never planned um, at all, <laughs> although it seems like it's such a track. Yeah. Um, to go way back, uh, my family on my Italian side are all cooks or chefs for the most part. So that was always a part of our growing up. You know, there's always pasta hanging on lines in the in the kitchen and stuff like that. Uh, and my father uh, went on to had have a pretty great restaurant in Halifax called Salvatore's New York Pizzeria. So I mean, that was various degrees of us working in his restaurant over time or anything he always had on the go, like he'd run a little inn here for a summer and then, you know, we'd be serving tables at 14. So it was kind of always, the food part was always there. Uh, any aspirations I had around uh, film or TV were kind of completely my own and kind of off the track of the rest of the family. Um, it was just really quite simple. I loved movies as a kid. My mother used to always take me to Wormwood's uh, when I was a child and I'd sit on a little pillow in the aisles of the old NFB theater on Barrington Street. And I guess it just kind of instilled something in me that I just wanted to, at first I wanted to make films, but then I ended up ultimately uh, on the exhibition side, always programming and curating and running the show and behind the scenes, not really, you know, in front or in front of the camera or any of that sort of stuff. And we should add a little background <clears throat> on Wormwoods. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wormwoods was... Uh, Halifax's only repertory cinema for about 21 years. I might be wrong on that date. Stephen Cook would be able to correct me. <laughs> <laughs> Little plug for another yeah. podcast. Exactly. Um, I was there for about seven years. I started there um, just serving popcorn and cleaning toilets and cleaning the theater uh, on my shifts. Uh, and Were you able to watch whatever you wanted? Yeah. 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 Um, which is great because you basically... Wormwoods had a format of screening two films a week on average and kind of flipping the times back and forth. So you had a lot of opportunity to see films. Plus on weekends we do matinees and late night kind of retro stuff. So the education I had uh, was never at film school. It was always just sitting in the theater and watching years and years of, of titles. So, And really interesting titles. Yes. You know. Sort of art house, indie, a lot of foreign titles, a lot of cult classics. So I, I Kind of a, a pretty diverse education. Yeah, and a great place to grow up. A great place to grow up. Yeah, 16 in the theater. Onwards, yeah, yeah. I'd say. Now, back to Devour. It um, is a food film festival, and it seems to play two roles here in Nova Scotia. It brings together the global food community, um, and it celebrates food and film from all over the world, but it also brings together in this beautiful little town called Wolfville. And it celebrates local food and local chefs and locals in general, I'd say. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I should add that here in Nova Scotia, there are less than a million people and it's small and it's special. And it's the perfect location for a little intimate mashup of food and film and technology and I suppose music as well. So tell me about this dual role that the festival plays in that regard. Um, well, we're basically trying to sort of I mean, we're bridging the gap between food and film, I guess. Um, we've always called it a bit of a mashup of food and film. Um, the reason we do it in Wolfville, if I can just, just sort of start there, yeah. uh, is because it's just, it's, we've often talked about it as the culinary epicenter of Nova Scotia. Like right there in that small town with a wonderful progressive university, you have an arts community, you have that just the perfect shape of a small town. The theaters there are all within walking distance, which you can't even have in, in Halifax, our closest center an hour away. Um, 
so it's just like this the space is so completely perfect and surrounded by vineyards, great restaurants, farms, producers. So there's a lot of stuff right there that we play off. When we bring kind of the global food scene into the town, it sort of becomes this weird summer camp during the festival where no one can get away from each other for about five days. But what I found has happened is it's really at the same time that we're celebrating like all the local people that are there both audience and filmmakers and chefs, and then all the people that are coming from away. Uh, I don't know. It just becomes, it's a perfect mashup. I don't know if I rounded that back out well. Yeah, <laughs> I no, sort of it went is. around it. Um, yeah. And your showcasing will feel really well. You're almost in the tourism biz in a way. Uh, yeah. I mean, ironically, I mean, or not so ironically, tourism is one of our main funders mm. uh, because they saw the opportunity, you know, Wolfville is a destination throughout the year, especially in the summer for the wineries, then during harvest season. And when we originally had it sort of scheduled in November, it was to sort of extend that season. And tourism really loved that, that we were driving, you know, an event, driving business and people to, you know, a rural area in the off-shoulder season. Or So, yeah. Yeah, in a seemingly quiet time. Yeah. Um, and you and executive director Michael Howell recently hosted a pop-up event in L.A.? Yes. Is that right? Tell yeah. me about that. That was back in April. Um, what we've been doing is, uh, I mean, we've always had this sort of big picture in mind that wherever we could get out into the world and, and see and, you know, research chefs and filmmakers, that we would always use any opportunity that we had to be somewhere to drive business back to our event here at home. Mm-hmm. So I think in April, end of March, I was on the Sonoma International Film Festival jury. So that kind of got us down there in that area. Uh, then we have a couple of board members in LA, uh, Sherry Elwood and Jason Priestley. And they kind of cooked up this idea that it'd be good to sort of do a cultivator media event down there with sort of pulling in their contacts, but then also working with other partners of ours like Telefilm Canada and the Canadian Consulate and just sort of try to bring media and filmmakers and kind of food writers into a room together to sort of give them like a taste of what we're doing. Literally a taste. Literally a taste. And that's what we did. (laughs) It's amazing. Um, Tidal Bay Wines from Nova Scotia. Benjamin Bridge. uh, Scotian Gold Apples. We had uh, probably my favorite parts were that uh, we had Trevor and Michelle Monroe from uh, Sober Island Oysters who came and joined us. Shucking. Shucking oysters right there. And we also, of course, had Bob Bloomer, who's become a good friend of the festival. He was there. He had offered up his home and he kind of supported the whole event. Wow, he hosted. He hosted in his lovely home in the Hollywood Hills. Oh, how perfect. And I heard that Jason Priestley tended bar. He did. He also shucked oysters for a crowd. They uh, At one point, they... Our bartender who also – so this is the wonderful thing about these things is that we try to get to these places for free. And then we get a lot of product donated through our partners and our friendships and basically are able to pull off a pretty showy event for nothing just because of the support of of friends and board members. And that's something that's – you know, it's not easy to pull that stuff together. But when you create excitement enough that, you know, a bartender, mixologist will fly himself to join you. Uh, Trevor and Michelle from Sober Island donated the oysters and flew themselves there. So, I mean, there's, it's just they saw an opportunity in what we were doing and then we were able to kind of pull it off. I think that creativity sometimes is improved when budget is tiny. I think so. It sort of forces you to uh, 
<laughs> think. Yeah, laterally. I, yeah. And good things happen. Yeah. 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 And maybe the spirit of uh, volunteerism in a way, you know, yeah. <laughs> donation. It's like the raw, pure ideas come out when you have no money. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I just I can't stop thinking about Brandon Walsh and trying to trying to go back to some good food scenes in the Peach Pit. Yeah, but <laughs> does that ever come up? Because yeah. we have to focus on him as a uh, as a man now and not as a uh, teenage heartthrob. Heart. Yeah, no, it was always it was Luke Perry for me. But no. yeah, it's funny. Uh, well, now that he's been around our event so much, it, I don't even see the nine hundred two one zero anymore. In that way. He probably but, appreciates yeah, it. Yeah, he probably does. <laughs> Keeps him coming back. Yeah. So in the spirit of uh, doing things on a shoestring, I suppose the festival started with a much smaller budget, $15,000 or something like that, I've yeah. read. And now it's blossomed half a million or something. Oh, God, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, we're not quite that far. Not, not but that far along. You certainly have. I would feel like we were done if we were there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throw it in. Um but it really has, you know, just been such a huge success. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's you, been exponential growth for sure. Um, I, I think when, you know, Michael started the event as Slow Motion Food Film Fest, and it was really a, a volunteer-run event by Slow Food Nova Scotia, and I think he instinctively knew that if he wanted it to grow, he'd have to dedicate a whole lot more time to it. So when he and I met through various other food events and things and both of us decided to, he, you know, sold his restaurant and I quit my job. And then we were kind of full time, <laughs> full tilt on this. There's no way to, I mean, that's why we were able to build it so quickly because we had the time to build a board and a, like a wonderful advisory board from the culinary and the film scenes. We were able to spend time writing government grants actually getting out and meeting partners and sort of doing the groundwork that was really required. So Yeah, and and do people start sitting up mm. and taking a bit more notice when uh, heavies like Anthony Bourdain show up? Yeah, who that, was a guest that really last helped. Year? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that was 2 years in the making. So yeah, it was bet. a lot of a lot of work to get that to happen, but yeah, yeah we always knew that would sort of be uh, we wanted a way to put ourselves on a map with someone that we considered the perfect, you know, person for both film tv and food like he he was kind of our hero so mm -hmm. we knew that that would sort of put us on the map and then we could sort of steadily build over years as long as you know i don't have to go around and explain usually what devour is that often around here anymore so at least that's something <laughs> it's true yeah. yeah yeah so food films are definitely a genre of their own what role do you think food plays in a movie for you <laughs> it's funny. Well, now that it's, um, you know, it's the niche that we're locked into, I find I'm looking for any bit of food in a movie to make it work. So it's probably a little unbalanced now. It's like, he's a sandwich. I think it's a romance. Uh, so I find I probably don't watch them in the way that I should. Um, but what we're seeing is that, you know, we watched over 300 titles to pick the 78 in this year's program and they're all new films and I, I just because every once in a while somebody will say to me like do you think you know you'll have enough to program this year and I, it's just uh, I don't see it changing or or lessening in years to come like I think people are really focused on food and where it's coming from and how they relate to other people around it uh, who's growing it how it's being delivered to them like there's just so many different avenues and we just yeah, I look at food and film and I, you know, it's it's kind of every angle, 
even this year a little bit. It's like, you know, from the immigrant farm workers to fishermen to, you know, a romance in Spain in a villa with a great dinner party to, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. All I, kinds I don't of know. stuff. I don't know if I really explained that well. No, it, it's true, <laughs> but the food has so many faces. And when you think of Nancy Myers' films, for example, mm. where she really focuses on the domestic yep. and comfortable interiors. Mm. So right away, you know, um, with Diane Keaton in Something's Gotta Give or <laughs> Meryl Streep with It's Complicated, you know that in their big, happy, open kitchens, you know that woman is comfortable in her skin yeah. right away. You know that she loves to serve. She's mm-hmm. a hostess. Um, and you're inspired to see what's going to happen in there. And that, to me, that's like a supporting character yeah. or just a great descriptive tool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that she may not make the devour cut, but... <laughs> yeah, she think, might someday. Yeah, there's all sorts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we've had a lot of fun, and even just in the last year, a little bit, we did a couple different events where we took sort of non-food movies and made them food movies with events. Um, we did, like, The Big Lebowski, and something like that was super fun. It was all trashy bowling snacks, and, you know, I, I kind of really like doing it that way as well, but... You can just think laterally yeah. that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so food is a vehicle for social change, and, and there can be a political twist at your mm-hmm. festival as well. And actor Bill Pullman is coming this year, yes. is that right? Yeah. Um, and he's going to curate his favorite film, also a, a favorite of mine, Babette's Feast. Yeah. Um, now, he is said to be a passionate advocate of sustainable food. I'd love to hear what he says about Babette's Feast. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't said it to us yet. Yeah, so, it's yeah, like a dot, be, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> November 4th to 8th. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's an interesting character for sure because um, we, well, originally I think Michael screened Bottle Shock in one of his first editions of Slow Motion back in the day. Uh, and then two years ago we screened The Fruit Hunters, which actually starred Bill Pullman. And uh, that's where you sort of, he reveals his his. Uh, big passion of exotic fruits and his uh if you've ever i don't know if you've ever seen the film it's a great film um so it was our opening night gala in 2013 i think i'm getting this right and uh he basically is all throughout the film and he's trying to protect he's like an avid fruit collector and grower like his yard is full of amazing wild fruits but he's also sort of extended that to try and protect the trees in the Hollywood Hills near sort of where he lives. And so that's kind of like the theme throughout the film. Um, And we actually started the conversation with him two years ago because we had the Canadian producer, Bob Moore, was here for the screening, and Bob Bloomer, who's actually a neighbor of Bill Pullman's. And uh, they were all trying to figure out how to make it work so Bill could come. He was in a play on Broadway that year. And his one day off... A week was the Wednesday night, or Wednesday, which was our opening. But he was in sort of a lockdown clause where he couldn't actually fly out of New York. Can't miss <laughs> so the next day. Yeah, the curtain call. Yeah. So we <laughs> sort of started a conversation with him around then. So it's just, it's funny how here we are two years later. Yeah, and, yeah. Know, but that's yeah. a natural relationship. Yeah. It felt natural. Oh, it probably, it was one we always knew we'd have to explain a little bit, you know, because if you don't know the backstory, you, you just... It seems disparate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But these actors are people and have interests. Absolutely. And a voice, a loud voice. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously he feels like his his voice in a way is a tool for social change. Yeah. And do you think that food can be a tool 
Absolutely. Change. All the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's one of the things, uh, again, when Michael started the festival, it was started sort of from the ethos of slow food. So a lot of the films were, you know, about affecting change around food systems. And that's why, you know, I guess when I came along and we kind of branded it Devour, it was also like, yes, there are all these films and all these issues that we have to talk about all the time. And those are definitely across our event. But there should be some fun packed in there, too. So yeah. we, that's why there was that sort of subtle shift, because we're like, we can't just sit and watch the world end through its food systems over and over again. Because, yeah. of, you know, how fun is that? Yeah, you need the uh, the Nancy <clears throat> Myers as a passionate advocate for comfy sets. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> <to it. laughs> or yeah. things like, uh, we don't have one this year, but we would always do a program called It's, it's Five O'Clock Somewhere, and it's all cocktail shorts. So just oh, if nice. there were enough drinking movies in one year, we'd put something like that together. So you could see, like, you know, wild fun on one side and then you know, an important social change documentary on the other side. So The two sides of food. Yes. Fair enough. <laughs> Do you remember when Top Gun came out? Did yes. you Did you see it in the theaters? Of course. <laughs> I'm exactly the right age for that. <laughs> We're the same age. Okay. Um, I remember <laughs> reading that, um, you know, suddenly a whole generation of young American guys wanted to join the Air Force. So uh, they all wanted to be Maverick, naturally. Yeah. Um, it may be an urban legend, but apparently state <laughs> recruitment officers for the armed forces set up tables in lobbies of theaters and just scooped really? them up as they poured out. So I was thinking oh about God. Devour and this like social change kind of thing. And what could you set up? Like, you know, and if you were to set up something, you know, would it be a kitchen shop or a cooking lesson sign up or a call for volunteers to support healthy local school initiatives or, you know, yeah. like, you know, because I'm sure people come out either depressed or invigorated. Yeah, it's probably you know. both. Mm. And it's funny because if you look across at all of our event partners, it's probably a pretty even spread of both. You know what I mean? So an example would be we're doing um, a number of school screenings that all sort of tackle hardcore food issues like, you know, sugar or food waste or, you know, healthy bodies, healthy sort of spirits for kids. And those are all uh, facilitated through Nourish Nova Scotia. And so something like that, you know, we're going to have a kid, we're going to have them inspired by a film that they're seeing, then they get an interactive discussion facilitated by Nourish Nova Scotia, and then they're just there. So that could be something that affects a change in a very specific way, mm -hmm. especially with the mind of a child. So that's kind of exciting. But then we also have the flip side, like you're talking about, which would be um, the one screening that we, I think, all staff like quote all the time. So probably somebody listening has heard this. Um, one of our favorite ones last year was we screened the world premiere of Shuckers, a film from Montreal documentary. And the cast and crew were at the screening. And it just so happened that Chuck Hughes was one of the executive producers. And they all lined up in front of the film, you know, gave the big intro. The audience loved the film because they were present. They did a Q&A afterwards. And they sort of all spilled out into the lobby and we surprised them. We set up a full oyster bar with Sober Island oysters, and then the cast and crew shucked for the audience. And they just sat there and had a couple hundred free fresh oysters, basically. Completely interactive experience. Completely interactive with the farmers that grew them, with the people oh, yeah. that, you know, shucked them, it just the cast, the crew. They were such a nice, it was so, it was such a perfect picture. So if I, I mean, if we could create that coming out of the theater every time, we'd be winning. But <laughs> we need Bob Pullman's fruit trees, yeah. you know, right there for the, after the sugar screening. You yeah, know? yeah. 
natural sources. So do you must have, I know that you're probably desensitized over all these years, but um, do you have a favorite food scene in a movie? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Um, It's funny. That's a really funny question. I should. I should be. I've never been able to to name my top five films or ever in my whole career. I had a friend one time where we sat down, I think, at Tom's Little Havana years ago, and we were like, well, let's come up with a top five list that we can agree on. And it ended up being this long night in an elaborate system of lists where it's the top five, the second top ten, the first ten by this direct. So we couldn't we couldn't even narrow anything down or agree on anything. Um but that doesn't really answer your question. A while ago, I put together a – we did an event um, for the Nova Scotia Community College culinary, culinary Arts Program. And they had a theme of New York for the graduating class last spring. And in our – they gave Devour a room. So I cut together a quick reel of food scenes. And it made me kind of go around and like find them and, and you know. And I, for some reason right now, I don't know why this stands out because people made fun of me every time they – the reel would come around to the scene and it was John Travolta walking down the street in the opening credits of Saturday Night Fever with like the disco and the, you know, the outfit. And he fo- he gets a piece of pizza and he folds it like a great like New York pizza slice. Bender and just kind of like, yeah, <laughs> kind of bombs down the street. And that's just sticking out right now. I don't know if it's my favorite food scene, but it's just. But that illustrates what we were talking about before, how that <laughs> pizza the folded in half, the casual, the cool, the slick, the aroma, the rhythm. The time period, the, the music. T- yeah, yeah, it all paints a picture yeah. for his character. Uh, actually, there it probably psychologically goes back to my dad and his New York pizza, maybe. There you go. Huh. It's familiar. <laughs> yeah. Did he look like John Travolta? No. <laughs> Did he eat his pizza like that? Yes. Movies take us away to another time, another place, other tastes, other flavors. But it's not all pizza and happiness. The movie business here in Nova Scotia has recently lost government funding, which means the film industry here is quickly dwindling. If it's cheaper to make films elsewhere, people will go elsewhere. I want to know how this is going to affect Leah, her film festival, and the town of Wolfville. Well, of course, personally, it really affected me because I've been in this, um, you know, helping from the Atlantic Film Festival side of my life uh, to help support and screen and build a community along with all of these people. So it's heartbreaking. Uh, in terms of our event, it's uh, it's definitely impacted us. We, we lost a significant amount of funding. I don't know why I thought we were sitting off on the side and we'd be safe in amongst all these things happening, but of course we're not. That's kind of crazy to think that. You know, people like, or, um, you know, government arms like Film and Creative Industries Nova Scotia, um, that was such a huge loss to us. And it wasn't that the amount of money that they gave to us was significant in our early years, but it was the support that they provided us in so many other ways. And there's just, I just worry about, you know, us not having that sort of knowledge and history and the history of relationships in the community. As you see sort of people trickle and leave town and you know it's just very heartbreaking in fact and when we did our the first sort of phase of our program launch in toronto this year during toronto film festival we did that on purpose because it's such a great place to sort of 
interact with all the people that are there in terms of media for the film festival, but also in terms of the national sort of culinary and travel lifestyle media, they're all kind of there in that first weekend. So we always do our little gorilla event and hope we can grab some press that we would normally wouldn't. Um, and I ended up inviting a lot of filmmakers that were already already living in Toronto now because they've left. And it was just like this weird thing to be at our, you know, this reception and hanging out with people from Halifax who had just recently moved. So, Used to be your neighbor and now. Yeah. It's just like it's, it's, it's going to be a radical shift and it's going to be something that's really hard to put back in place and build back up again. I mean, that took a long time for that to be there and now it's gone. So, and yeah, so, you know, it's hard. Yeah, and you know, but it also makes the festival in Wolfville all the more special. Yeah, I mean, there's enough content for us in terms of because we are a niche. It's a global niche. We'll always have that kind of stuff. And and ironically, uh, we have a couple of films, short films in our program that are new people, new to the scene, that were inspired, you know, by the programs or the films they saw in our program and have struck out and are making their own content because you know. A lot of it is created for online and, you know, everybody's kind of doing it guerrilla style on their own. So, I mean, I don't think that part will go anywhere. So there's a, right now there's a, a couple that are shooting a film called Sociable about the craft beer scene in Nova Scotia. And they were this hilarious couple that came to Devour last year and watched every single film they could and just loved being in the middle, middle of the scene. And then they just went out and bought a camera and they've been teaching themselves as they go. And I'm thinking... They're going to make a pretty great documentary. So, I mean, that the spirit won't be killed in that sense. But, I mean, the broader, you know, funding and the big, you know, the fact that we had big productions come in here and a lot of films is like, that's a devastating loss. So, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> no, it's all, <laughs> it's like, it's it's all I like think it's all, all <laughs> really true. Yeah. Well, that was sad, but appropriate because food and film is also political and beautiful and romantic and stressful. For me, Meryl Streep and the egg scene in The Hours comes to mind. Her friend has just committed suicide and she's talking to the ex of this guy and she's <laughs> mad and she's supposed to be planning this dinner party and she's cracking eggs and it's the most tense scene because she's separating the whites from the yolks and there's so much suspense just watching her furrowed brow and <laughs> it, once again food just does the trick yeah oh you absolutely know, this yeah. fragile thing yeah and the friend is staring at the eggs and he's kind of like <laughs> she's gonna wake out you know <laughs> <laughs> it's funny apparently Meryl Streep's been on our hit list for a while she's a big slow food advocate who is she yeah yeah. So that was authentic. That's why Julia and Julia was so. Julie and Julia was yeah. an authentic choice for her. Yeah, yeah, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, she did such a good job. She did. I wanted more <laughs> Julia and less Julie. Yes. And I just said that out loud. <laughs> Don't tell Julie. <laughs> so I used to work mm. at a cookbook store in London. Oh. And I'm trying to. What was it called? Books for Cooks, the cookbook store in London, <laughs> on in Notting Hill. Yes. Across the street from the travel bookstore. Did I serve you there? No, I was just, I went there this year because I, I met with um, Slow Food UK has an office oh, okay. right beside the store. Oh, funny. On Portobello, yeah. just off the Portobello yeah. Road. There you go. So I, But I went in there and I was so overwhelmed with the selection, it freaked me out. Yeah, 10,000 books is too much. But what's really fun is the people watching. Ah, uh, who and, come in the store? Yeah, and so I'm just trying to I think of the foodie actors. 
And do you know who came oh. in all the time was the butler from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Really? That British. <laughs> See, <laughs> so I, I need put him on your list. Yeah. And Emily Mortimer, the yes. actress, she she was, we always be separated them a little bit because <clears throat> there are more academic cookbooks. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, Jamie Oliver wasn't a fan of the Elizabeth David, the the deeper, yeah. he, you know, he, he, he would come in and go straight to the images. And yeah. whereas Emily would, Emily, listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> My buddy. Emily yeah. would flip through like the Penguin classics where there were no images and just research. And she came in all the time. Really? Just very oh, low key. Interesting. I know. Yeah, because yes. I mean, every year we're always going to be flipping back and forth to, you know, a known sort of Hollywood personality, whether it's a director or actor, and then back to a chef. So we thought we'd just kind of keep doing that. I'd put so, Emily, Emily on your list. Remember. That's yeah, good to know. Very low key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, actually, we had lots. many conversations. We're like, who loves food in Hollywood? And we were like looking through Instagram feeds and trying to, you know, track people down and ask other people to find out for us. But Well, there's Gwyneth. Yes. So what do you do with That's, that? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, Mm. I would just go straight to Julia Tertian, her uh, assistant, yeah. or who not, she's not her assistant, she co-wrote her books okay. and has her own cookbook coming out Oh, okay. and is, you know, f- sort of hangs with the stars, mm. yet yeah. is her own, Yeah, has, you know, she's an amazing her cook own, herself. Yeah, yeah. Cool. and fantastic hair, big hair. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> Leah, where do you see yourself in 10 years? <laughs> hmm. Jeez. Or the festival, I suppose the I festival. should ask. Because do you want it to grow? We do want it to grow. Um, I think the town can only handle so much, though. Um, we've gotten great advice from some really wonderful industry guests over the years, but one that stands out that we always quote is um, it's Kathleen Flynn, who is a cookbook author and novelist that came to our event about two years ago. Her husband. Mike Closar, he uh, he left us. He pulled me over to dinner because he just he was loving every second. He just came and tagged along when she did her panels and things. And he said, "Keep it small, mm-hmm. keep it connected, keep it intimate. You know, just like keep this part real. Don't make it too too big." And I think you know, right now it's it's a really comfortable size. I mean, obviously this is a bigger year, but I don't see it expanding beyond the five days in Wolfville itself. I mean, I see expansion out in the world you know if we can pull off the profile events in other places and you know attend other like-minded food events and festivals that's where i'd be really happy and the fact that you offer workshops and little events like that around the festival you're not bottlenecking at the theater you're using all sorts of different spaces on on the acadia campus and we'll fill and yeah and the farmer's a, market the mm-hmm. farmer's yeah. market yeah food truck events and yeah. yeah really pulling on um so many different aspects of that community yeah it's a it's a very packed out event it's uh you know i think we have let me think about this about 20 screenings a little over 20 screenings of 78 new films we have 18 workshops and that runs the gamut from food photography and styling to writing to um, all the visiting chefs give culinary demos as well as some of the locals. Um, Parties, tasting tours. We probably have about a little over 20 tasting tours that sort of take you out into that region. Uh, Whether you're drinking sparkling, you know, wines at Benjamin Bridge or eating cheese at Fox Hill. It's a lot of neat kind of stuff. Now, is the film world... um 
right brain or left brain, like the food film where, you know, you get creatives mm. who really don't necessarily show up on time. <laughs> but if you're a film person, you can, you're kind of techie. Yeah. So who are you techie. dealing with here? Oh, it's such a, it's such a spread because you do, I mean, there are, you know, we are dealing with Hollywood or Toronto film execs and distributors and sales agents. And then you get media on another side and then you get you know, we're building corporate partnerships and government partners. So it's a little bit of everything. And then there's just the, you know, the true artists, the, you know, chefs, the people that are growing your food, the people that are just kind of, you know, all that is, it's all packed in there. It's, it's pretty widespread. <laughs> yeah. what, what's come out of the festival for you as, as, uh, as a surprise or something that's really memorable? So far, uh, really uh, wonderful friendships that are, seem to be lasting you know, over years, which is really nice. So something like uh, when we went out to devour our event called Devour Seattle this year, that was because of Kathleen Flynn. She always wanted us to bring us to her community from the time she was here on the ground. And I find we're making a lot of friends like that. So, and that's really rewarding, especially when you're traveling. So, yeah. yeah. Really nice. Yeah. I'm thinking about in this age of of social media and constant distraction. <laughs> um, films are a place where you're you're stuck there. You're sitting. You're watching, and people people still tend to love them. So, how do you feel about attention spans? Mm. I bet you they're probably way shorter than they were. Um, I, I could I, I would say probably just based on the attendance at our events. Uh, you know, the food events go very quickly and the films are a little longer, you know, in the tooth in terms of trying to fill them up. Because I think, yeah, people, how often are people actually in a theater these days? I'm not entirely sure. Am I in one? Not usually. But I think that's the thing that we really want to build up around Devour is that, you know, you're not ever just going to a screening. There will be somebody or something packed in there that makes it a bit more experiential. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and just... The the notion of of savoring, mm, yeah, yeah, just sitting and watching, and knowing that there would be an awesome food truck right outside as soon as you're done, yeah. <laughs> or maybe there's a cheese tasting in the theater, or uh, yeah, you know, or an oyster. We have a year in champagne. Tree. I'm sure there's going to be some champagne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're trying to sort of program those like that. So yeah, yeah. dot 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 to be continued. Yes. <laughs> Leah Ronaldo, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Can't wait for the (laughs) festival. Thanks. So there you go. Food has the power to tell a story. And in doing so, it triggers memories, it ignites cravings, encourages action. And food pulls people together. In front of the screen, around a table, beside a food truck, in the lobby of a theater. And when people gather because of food... A good story is sure to follow. We're a new podcast, so it would be so helpful if you could rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. Makes a huge difference in our ratings, and, you know, we don't want to get lost in the shuffle. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Food Podcast, or like us on the Food Podcast Facebook page. And please send along any feedback, love, criticisms, doesn't matter, got a very thick skin to thefoodpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, thanks to Jen Grant for our amazing theme song. Thanks for listening. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. 